I am Andrea Butcher, and this is Being at Work. Being a leader is hard. So on this show, I set out to talk with experienced leaders to learn from their pivotal moments, how they led through the challenges we can all relate to but are often unheard. Today's story comes from Kent Kramer, President and Chief Executive Officer at Goodwill of Central and Southern Indiana. Kent is a servant leader who uses his platform as an opportunity to enable others, whether it's in the community, with his team members, or at home with his four awesome children and beautiful wife. He has a passion for mentoring. He loves listening, learning, and helping others. From recent college graduates to somebody making a career transition to a person just trying to find their way in life, Kent has a gift for lifting others up. In this episode, you'll hear why Kent values truly getting to know his people, listening to their concerns, and building trust. Check it out. Midwill is a, uh, we do a lot of different things, but we are a retailer. Retailing is kind of in my blood. I uh, grew up in, in Muncie, Indiana, and my grandfather owned uh, grocery stores. Now, he sold them before I became uh, legal working age, but by the time I got my first job, it was in a grocery store. I did that for three years before going to uh, Indiana State, and uh, I knew um, that I really wanted to go into retail, so a lot of people may not know, or sometimes they, they look at different type jobs, and, and sometimes my friends were like, <laughs> really, you want to go into retail, and do you know what kind of hours that is, and the inconsistency and schedule, and, and all those things, I just, I, I just absolutely loved it. Sam's Club, uh, right out of Indiana State, moved to uh, Missouri to start my training, and that was 29 years ago, and I haven't looked back. Uh, enjoy that aspect, and, and of uh, retail, the uh, you know, merchandising and selling goods, and it's all great. But I also just love the the people that are employed in retail, and uh, you know, many times there's a, a lot of resiliency in those folks, and uh, just some incredible work ethic. And I've seen it. My, my career has taken me 11 years at Sam's Club, a couple of years at Kmart, and now 17 years at Goodwill, and, and now retail is just a piece of what I do, but it's, it's still provided a really good foundation for the, where I'm at today. Yeah, and it's a foundation that's shaped a lot of your leadership, isn't it, and really caring about people. You know, I know that getting to know people at all levels in the organization is something that, that really defines how you show up as a leader. Tell us about a situation or a story that helped to shape that. You just really described what what drives me on a daily basis. And mm-hmm. uh, it's always been there, but it, I, it kind of solidified back in actually 1995. And I was a store manager for Sam's Club at the time. And I had just been transferred to Washington, D.C. So I ran uh, the Sam's Club in Lafayette, Indiana. And I asked for a challenge and they sent me uh, two months later to uh, Washington, D.C. And it was, you know, just a different environment. I hadn't, hadn't been, uh, I hadn't worked in an urban environment like that ever. Two weeks into the job, the, I discovered that the individuals in that store who had just gone through a merger with another organization and, and acquired them, had decided to, to go forth with a union campaign and they started signing cards and 
and whatnot. So, uh, you know, talk about a challenge, 25 years old, heading into, you know, you're in this new new environment and uh, you've got uh, a union campaign going on. And, and actually it was the first ever that kind of um, uh, ended up being an actual election for Walmart. Uh, so there was a lot of, uh, there was a spotlight on me and that store and the people in that store. So uh, you know, a lot of lessons, a lot of lessons learned. But, uh, you know, going back to your kind of statement there, as far as you know, top to bottom and, and I do learn and I listen. And in this in this particular case, I had about 300 employees in my store, and because of the union environment uh, and knowing that we were going to a, an election, I had to get to know those folks really closely and uh, did that. And what I discovered was some fascinating people, and uh, I can think back fondly on many of them and. And they were just trying to figure out how to survive. They, you know, many of them were working two and three jobs, public transportation. They, you know, living in neighborhoods that weren't the safest, and they were in, in truly uh, survival mode. And, and it just gave me an appreciation. I hadn't grown up in that environment. I didn't see that environment in college. My first couple of years of professional experience, and I, I just gained this true appreciation uh, for folks. And I've never forgotten that. And I really to this day appreciate and have empathy for individuals at all levels, um, no matter the case. And, and this was a case with, which probably <laughs> some would say was kind of a heated environment. But I also looked at it as, man, they're just trying to take, take care of their families and trying to figure out what to do. Uh, so I, it's just, I, I think often back, you know, so many years ago, and, and when I talk to folks today at all levels, that, that still resonates in, with me as far as kind of where folks are and where they want to be and uh, kind of working towards that. Yeah, so 300 people is a lot. How did you get to know people? So I learned uh, early on, one of the first things I learned at Sam's Club was this Walmart culture of MBWA. It was management by walking around. Mm -hmm. and, you know, so I, I still use that today. We have 108 sites uh, at Goodwill. Uh, and at schools and stores and commercial sites and contract sites. And I absolutely love getting out and walking around uh, and meeting people and learning about their obstacles, learning about their successes. And I can think back, you know, back to the early 90s when I first came on with Sam's Club and Sam Walton uh, really spoke about this management by walking around. And I happened to be at a store in Fishers, Indiana, where he came and he did, he, he was just an expert at that and genuine concern. And he listened and I saw, I was just thinking, man, if this guy, you know, ultimately the richest man in the world and uh, you know, has people that do things for him, if he, if this is how he's learning and getting out, you know, I just kind of have uh, tried to emulate that for the years. So that's how I did it. It's much easier in a store where it's got 300 people and they're broken down by departments and they work different shifts. But, uh, you know, any good leader uh, gets to know as many of the folks that get the work done as they can and still do that today. Yeah. What does that do? What did that getting to know folks, what did that do for you in that situation? So in that, in that situation, and, and I'm being sincere here, it's, it's, it's not 
why I did it. It's it's the way mm -hmm. I Lafayette. It's the way I managed in Indianapolis. Case the a benefit was uh, people began to trust me because they they saw that I was interested in and also uh, would advocate for them and truly believe that people can sense that when they when you're being sincere and when I would provide opportunities for them for advancement or opportunities to you know uh, you know a better shift or more hours sometimes they'd be like you know which side I'm on right you know I want you know I want the union to win this and <laughs> um, but, but ultimately you know uh, you get people to trust you you win them, you win them over and they will go to bat they will work hard for you and and I saw that kind of like really happen there in Landover Maryland back in 1990 and I've seen it happen time and time again if you get people if you show them if you're interested in their success and you provide them opportunities and you listen and you respond uh, they will follow you and, and they've always have always kind of lived by that versus you know what might be considered old style yeah. uh, management where you know iron fist and you, know, you get things done uh, through high expectations and, and demanding excellence and uh, I think you can do all of that without you know kind of that old style of management. Yeah, I think you know a lot of a lot of leaders may have walked into that situation in Washington D.C. with a "here's what we're going to do" kind of mentality, but you you started asking a lot of questions. And I imagine you talked about it being heated. There was a lot of pressure. You were in the spotlight. So what did you do in those situations as you were gathering info and asking questions? I imagine you got information that was kind of tough to hear at times. And how would you handle those those kind of moments? Yeah, it it, it was. And, you know, I, you know, I, I paint this really nice picture right here. But, um, you know, there were times so in a uh, you know, kind of a contested, heated union election process. You know, you do have the union who has their goal of getting people signed into the union, and and, and you know, kind of their goal is to help lift them up from a uh, salary standpoint. And and there are times where you know it's difficult because they perceive you as management; and they don't really know you as a person. So sometimes there's acquisitions and things that you have to kind of deal with and, and believe me I look at it from both sides I still do of course yeah and can appreciate the value of unions but you know at the same time I was working for you know, the organization so I always just kind of go into it everything I do and, and this was not yeah. I want to give my best I want to do the best I can and I want to do what's right sometimes it was like I needed to kind of step up and say you know what we we didn't do our best here as an organization, and I had to bring things up from whatever it might be from a plan change that really impacted, negatively impacted employees. And I don't really blame them for being upset. We didn't give them notice or whatever it might be, you know, or it might be you know, an acquisition where I just had to say, you know, come on, folks, that's, that's not me. I would never do that. You know, so trying to be straightforward and honest uh, at all times has served me well as well. Well, and, and as you started, you know, that it is something, with getting to know people is something that drives your leadership day to day. So here we are in 2019, and 
we're, we're not in 1995. You know, today you've got a cell phone with you everywhere you go. Technology is, is really driving the pace at which we work. And I, every single day, can I work with leaders who, you know, use the excuse of, oh, I don't have time to connect with that person. I'll talk with him or her later. I've got way too much going on. You know, how, how have you, as the pace of change has increased, the pace of work has increased, how have you maintained that? It has, is it just so ingrained in you that it's natural? Do you even, have you thought about that? I do. I do. Because as, I, as I've grown in the organization, uh, you know, I came on uh, with Goodwill and we had 24 stores. This was 2002. And I was a vice president of retail. So my job was to be out in the stores and managing that part of the business. And it was real easy to know all 24 store managers and assistants and many of the key players in one of those stores. And I really enjoyed that. Well, as my career has grown and I became COO and ultimately CEO, and now we have 74 stores and 15 high schools and, um, you know, contract sites where we do work uh, and people throughout 39 counties in central and southern Indiana, it has gotten tougher and it is, you know, I can, I can understand when you, when you talk to those leaders that say they just don't have time, but I still make time. I don't get to sites as much as, as, as I would really like to, but I do keep track of which ones I go to and I make sure I get into each one of them. I'm just very organized and I've got an assistant that helps me keep really organized on that and keeps track of where I, where I go and who I've seen. And um, so it, it takes a lot more organization these days, but I still carve out a pretty large portion of my kind of work life to make sure I get out in the field and I listen and I learn. And uh, so it, it, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm deliberate at doing that. Yes, and you, you are someone who is always present with the people that you are with. You know, every conversation I've ever had with you, I've had an opportunity to see you at work, see you in volunteer settings, personal settings. And you know, every time I've had a conversation with you, I feel like you're really listening, you're tuned in. And you know, that, there's, there's, there's someone who's paying attention to what I'm saying, really cares about this conversation right now. That's, a, that's such a gift. Yeah, well, you know, it's... Uh I'm an ENFJ, and I, so I'm an extrovert, and I have feelings, so I, I absolutely love getting to know people. I, it's, you know, I wish, I told people, I wish there was a job I'd just go out and just travel and, <laughs> and talk with people, but, uh, uh, and, well, and but I, that's kind of what you get to do every day, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> I do, I do, so I, I do kind of have my dream job, and that's Uh-huh, just connecting. Yes. So let's go back to 1995 and tell us how this all played out. You're in Washington, D.C. It's spotlights on you. You're getting to know people, obviously building trust. How did that all evolve? A lot of people in, in business and in life, you have these like milestones and you remember things. So I do remember July 8th of 1995, and I remember the administrative law judge uh, in the back of that store counting votes and uh, it was one of the most stressful times of my life because it's like uh, worked really hard and we felt very good and I still do in that situation that uh, it was best for that population uh, to you know, kind of stay with the company and, and 
there's lots of opportunities for advancement, opportunities to really grow your career, and a lot of those folks have. So I, but I still remember it with that, I'm, uh, 88 to 52, I remember the votes of those who voted, yeah, the, you know, the, the final call was 88 to 52, and it, it's, uh, uh, so that was kind of like a sense of accomplishment. But, but when I think back about what I learned, uh, it was really the, the relationships I, I gained, I was really close with that vote were part of that 52, and I don't fault them, and I don't. I don't think poorly about them. They felt that that was what's was going to be best for them and their families. And just a lot of uh, emotions back and forth, thinking back to 1995. I'd just gotten, we, we, had our first, we had our first child there in, in D.C. And, and I'll just, you know, I do bring kind of my personal life into work. And I, you know, I remember uh, my daughter was born in February. We were in the heat of this uh, union, and we were a public space, so union uh, organizers could come in. I got to know all of them. They could come in and as shoppers, and just it was just kind of almost like a circus-type environment. But, you know, I had a kind of like guess the sex, guess the weight of my first child. You know, it was union people involved in non-union people, people that, you know, on the 88 side, people on the 52 side, and they were all really excited when I came in and um, uh, after the uh, – she was born on February 4th. They were all wanting to know, what's the details? And so it, it was uh, It was probably the weirdest kind of union election for, uh, for that union <laughs> for the company because they're like, what is going on here? It's the Kent Kramer stuff yeah. is what that is. Personal and connective and real. <laughs> so if you could go back, so I hear you saying a lot of lessons learned, clearly a focus on getting to know people. That's something you learned through that situation that's, that's foundational to how you lead today. So if you could go back to 1995 and give yourself any advice, what would you give? I saw success through treating people with respect. Uh, being honest with them, having open communication, you know, following up on their needs, and um, you know, getting back to people uh, and answering questions, even if I didn't have it when they asked me. Being organized in uh, the work I did because, you know, back then, corporate or uh, you know, Walmart really they want to know. Okay, what are you covering in these meetings, and what are you doing here? And and it was you know, trying to run a store and participate in this environment. Uh, they wanted to see everything, so uh, you know it's just kind of like a cadence of things that I do over the years, and just be as organized as possible for my people, no matter who those people are. You know, so it's uh, even today there's lessons learned, and, and I've just kind of carried that. Not that I didn't treat people with respect or. I just saw the value during those days and I saw the benefit. And, you know, if I can get people to find me, you know, in that type of environment, uh, if I can kind of continue this, this path forward, I know I can have success. And I've seen that over the years. And when it, whenever, for whatever reason, I, I haven't been able to do that. And, you know, I've always been a big fan of 360 surveys and, and, uh, you know, if I've ever, uh, you know, if somebody's questioning that or I've seen that in a, a survey, it, you know, I kind of recenter myself again and, 
the lessons learned in 1995 still using today in, in, in 2019 and still have a whole lot of value in those kind of early leadership lessons. Yeah, obviously. I mean, your leadership philosophy is getting to know people and that the, that was grounded in you so early in your career is, is really interesting. You know, because I think about, you know, you said you were 25 years old. And so I think I just thinking back about 25 year olds entering the workforce. And I was in such a I got to prove myself kind of place. You know, here you were in this really pressure driven situation and you leaned into getting to know people. Like, Where did that come from? When you reflect on what, what, how was that your how was that your your mentality? Did somebody give you that advice? Where did that come from? So that's interesting you say, Andrew, uh, prove yourself. And I've always kind of lived with that thought in mind. And, you know, back then, so it, it actually even happened in Indianapolis. And it was trying to be, get my first store, which was just really a year before then. I wasn't in Lafayette for very, much, very long before they moved me. Um, but I, Walmart had this, philosophy where they did this 360 survey for anybody that they were going to promote their store. And I knew that starting out that I'd only been with the organization a couple of years, but they did this survey and they, it was basically, it was questions and it was all around the values of the organization. But the final part was comments. And Walmart took those comments to heart. And if you showed that you didn't treat people with respect and you didn't communicate well and, and if that came out in your survey, then you had to wait. <laughs> you had to wait until the next time around. And uh, you know, so they really took that to heart. So uh, I have always kind of like, and then through the, that union process uh, that was ingrained in me, mm -hmm. uh, I do mm -hmm. kind of uh, lead with respect. And because people, I, I do have to prove myself, but I've got to prove myself to leadership. To those people mm -hmm. that are, you know, working hard every day, because those are the ones that are judging me, and I still think that today. I, I you know, I wear that kind of with the extreme now because I don't get, I can't get to every site as often as possible. So, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, these people tell me, oh, I haven't seen you in six months. I'm like, well, I know, I'm trying to get it. Um, so I do exactly what you said. I do yeah. my best because I know people are are watching me and looking at me. Well, gosh, that's so many insights I'm taking away from this. I think the, the, the couple of key takeaways that you've just reiterated over and over and over is the value in taking time to get to know people and then listening to their concerns. And then I love the point you added just a moment ago. And then once you're clear on what their needs are, actually following up yes. <laughs> and doing something with that information, right? That's, that's what it is that builds trust. So, Kent, thank you so much for, for sharing your story. And thank you for your leadership with goodwill and all of the things that, that you and the organization are doing in the community and, and beyond. If our listeners want to connect with you or learn more about the work that you're doing, what's the best way to do that? Well, there's, uh, there's lots of ways. So if they just want general information about goodwill, our, our website is goodwillnd.org. Uh, also, you can find me uh, on social media, and I'm on uh, Twitter at Goodwill CAC, Goodwill K-A-K, and then also on LinkedIn at Kent Kramer and, uh, under Goodwill. Uh, so uh, I love sharing our stories so you can see some of our 
some of the you know incredible people that we work with and that are working hard to increase their independence and reach their potential. And um, I also really enjoy hearing from others. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a Being at Work story.